Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome to the NXT Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamplot and Michael Sidgwick, here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of NXT. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review NXT, but also Raw, SmackDown, AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Hampton Civic to review the last ever episode of the old NXT. And it's fair to say, Sige, a mixed bag last night. Yeah, usually I'm so numb to the point of complete boredom. And don't get me wrong, there was much of that feeling tonight. <laughs> They've just set up one of the most drab, drab, dull main event angles on this show that there's ever been. In the main event, I'm watching Caden Catanzaro, Caden and Catanzaro just do their match that they always do. And I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, why are you getting taught down there? So I'm bored by that. I'm bored by the main event angle. But there was one thing on this show that I thought was actively rubbish, damaging, bad, whatever. There was one thing on this show that I thought absolutely ruled. And it ruled hard. So, yeah, a mixed bag, is it? I uh, can't wait to fling my arms wide open to that thing that absolutely ruled because those brothers were unreal. I did the um, thing the other week, so a bit of dad. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Sorry. Then, um, when I said, like, Tyler Russ is Marshak. Look, uh, hot take, guys, but I think I'm going to be the one to say it. I don't think that this can compete with AEW's product anymore. There, I've said it. I don't mind. I don't really want to stick my neck out and admit this. Watching this show last night, I just thought to myself, I'm not I'm not sure they've got it, guys. I think they've tried. Yeah. I think it's been neck, I think it's been neck and neck for the last couple of years. But after Sunday, I've I, AW have just tiptoed over the line. Like up to like last week, NXT was still great. Like firing on all cylinders, but no, I have come to the conclusion that may, maybe this show just doesn't have it anymore. Yeah. Maybe they don't got what it takes anymore. Can NXT still go to paraphrase CM Punk? No. <laughs> well, let's talk about this show. It started with Ember Moon versus Kaylee Ray. Uh, and sort of lots of fallout coming off the back of this. Kaylee Ray uh, immediately targets the arm of Ember Moon. Um, targets her, grounds her. Eventually, Moon breaks out, hit a flying code breaker for a near fall. She uh, puts uh, Kaylee Ray in a cross face, but Ray gets out and does that thing where she reverses and sends someone spilling into the turnbuckle that might hurt their head or whatever. Uh, Moon counters, though, a suplex, and then suplexes Kaylee Ray right out of the ring. Big old dive to follow that one up. Moon goes up top, Ray cuts her off and uh, knocks her down to put her down for a swanton bomb for a, a near fall as well. Uh, Moon hits a Mishinoku driver, but Ray just manages to kick out. And then they trade sort of counters and cradles and what have you. Uh, and Ray out of nowhere manages to hit her gory bomb on Ember Moon and get the one, two, three. Hamlet, what did you think of the opener? Uh, mostly very good, but only in that like sort of solid way for me. The type that like Sidgwick's referenced before, where it's like you'll get some people being like, oh yeah, solid, good stuff. It's like, yeah, it doesn't give you a feeling of being happy. 
You know, it was like it was a bit too long. It was a bit too. I don't think like I don't think they were helped by the time. I understand the want to give them time. Genuinely, I do. Like good faith, like choice by WWE to give like two good wrestlers some good time to have a good wrestling match. Um, but if all that analysis sounds functional, it's because that's what this match mostly was. Uh, Kaylee Ray instantly feels like the best challenger to Raka Gonzalez, but didn't she anyway? You know, like, I don't think they're asking the big questions with matches like this. Um, what we got later on was as interesting as the match in a way, because they are, as we've discussed, Ember Moon has slotted into that nice role of being somebody with enough pedigree and enough credibility that she can help somebody with a defeat. But they are giving that character enough agency to say, I don't like getting beaten all the time and maybe I'm going to have to do something about it. So I like that that doesn't just exist for this non-kayfabe reason that we know. I'm glad they've been able to sort of fold that into the story. Match was like good but not blow away great um same old same old maybe it's an atmosphere thing maybe it's a cold product thing but put this in front of a hot crowd and it'd have probably gone down a great deal better yeah i'm struggling to form any real thoughts on this and i don't know why i don't know if it's just the capital wrestling center and how drab how unforgivably drab it looks and feels given that it's a wwe Ostensibly, it's on telly, a major league product. It sucks the joy out of everything, it doesn't it? Just yeah, it's like a black. It's like an almost literal black hole of atmosphere. Yes. The very best matches really should get an extra half star put on them purely because of their ability to transcend this goddamn atmosphere. So you get some well worked exchanges. There's no huge amount of drama because it's very obvious that this is a showcase for Kaylee Ray. They're trying to sell it at points as something else with how competitive it was and how long it went relatively for TV. So that just felt like you need a character that fans are really, really into to sort of elevate like a really predictable outcome. Mm. Or you at least need a goddamn white hot crowd who's just thrilled to be there. And you don't get that on NXT. You don't get very, you don't get very, you get very little on this goddamn show. This can't be described as anything other than a good to very good match. The finish was really well done. Mm. Nice bit of struggle. Um, some <clears throat> properly committed bombs were getting lobbed in those closing stages. But yeah, I just didn't care. This show actively makes it impossible to care. Uh, we go backstage to build towards the uh, title match. Of course, it's Birch and Lorcan challenging MSK for the tag titles that they never lost. Uh, Mackenzie Mitchell goes in, tries to talk to Danny Birch and only Lorcan about it. <laughs> Danny Birch basically says, right, listen up, don't talk none of that bloody bollocks. I'm back and that's all that matters, all right? Uh, he vowed to win the tag titles. Rich Bloody Holland said, anyone who steps in our way, they need to know they're going to get hurt. And then, I don't sit up. Endemis Kai, so I do that. <laughs> this is the main event angle at the minute, man. This is their main event angle at the minute. It's absolute. It's telly. You're on television. Have some pizzazz. Have some personality. Jump off my goddamn screen, goddamn you all. You next call for pizzazz, and you don't count a flag with their names on in the background while this was going on. I don't, well, know, you know, I don't know what these people want. <laughs> well, if you wanted fun, you didn't get it next. It was the Bachelorette party. <laughs> uh, Indy Hartwell shows up. Oh, I can't believe you've done this, Candice. And Candice makes a little slide. Oh, I can't believe either because you haven't got any friends. Uh, there's a little nod to the fact that WWE weddings never go well. Uh, Indy thanks one of her friends to coming up for coming all the way from Australia. But in reality, she only came with Disney World. Uh, <laughs> Says Dexter stalks his way to her heart. Uh, she toasts Candice LeRae. Uh, Candice gets up to give a toast. She's annoyed that Casey Catanzaro and Cody got. You know what they're doing, Sage? They're on that bloody flip flop. Oh, I mean TikTok. Kill me. <laughs> she toasts. She says, "Oh, you know, she's learned to accept Dexter Loomis," and she toasts everyone. And they have a little side conversation about, you know, do you think it's going to be all right with with Gargano on this? on this stag do, on this bachelor party. Gorgona's a pretty tough nut to crack. So I guess he's going to have to crack his nerves. Uh, what's he talking about there? His walls. talking about his walls. She was worried about the bachelor party, basically, and Candy said, I've still got some spy gear knocking about, so they left their own bachelorette party to go and spy on the men. I mean, that the optics of that are so rule dog. Hey, why don't I get a chick? Hey, I got a chick to spy on the men. 
That's road dog. That's the road, that's the road dog. That's voice. road dog. That's that's your road dog there. That's his voice and that is his idea. Look, so much potential. I pitched things. It was just so basic, and then they just there was nothing. This wasn't it. That was it. There was nothing. Like mispronouncing TikTok. Do you not remember when Triple H, that idiot, the last time was like, I'm gonna send an Instagram or do a Vine. What's <laughs> funnier than you actually pretending to not understand young people? Is you actually failing to understand? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's one of those TikTok. It's like so resentful of their, they look at their graying yeah. hairs on their arms and they're so resentful and they know they're finished. They were, they they're, were this close. They click off finished, man. They, were, they know it. They were this close to doing the old, uh, what are you doing over there? I'm just flossing. I thought you'd do that with your teeth. Just uh, <laughs> my other favorite bit as well was when she came all the way from Australia. Yeah, I got a Disney World. Uh, how's that a joke? <laughs> you know, how's that remotely funny? Like at Indy Hartwell, the people that a few people have gravitated towards because she's got a really like sort of unique, self-deprecating personality, like quite an unusual sense of humor. Everyone thinks she's <laughs> yeah, and I, I didn't write down the bit where she went, oh, thank you all for coming. Oh, Mackenzie, do you want to get up and interview me? She went, no, I haven't brought the microphone with me. Oh, kill me now. It was it's poor. Like, the only gags, and they didn't, they barely qualified as gags, but like really mean-spirited. Yeah. Yeah. Is Mackenzie Mitchell so used to the camera lingering far too long on the two of them after an interview that she had to stand there and let it breathe for that long with no laughter whatsoever after that line? I, I, just, I couldn't fathom what I was watching. It's like Sean and Triple H sit together and they're like, right, we've got a we've got a bachelorette party and a bachelor party. So what what do what do women like? Come on, Sean, what do women like? And he's like, I, I don't know, God. And he was like, nah, come on, in the nineties, what did women like? He was like, well, I, I never asked. What what do you think women like? He's like, shrugs and just skulls. I don't know. Like, <laughs> so it's like, I know what women like. They're like wondering what the men are up to. Let's go see what they're doing. Couple of old bastards. There are two cliques in this world. There are these two daft old, like hawks, basically, that have killed the product. And there's a guy who's sexy and class and his politics are mint and he puts over young guys on Raw and the other one that says, just thanks so much Darby Allen and CM Punk for making me feel like I contributed something to the culture when he contributed everything. There are very much two clicks right now and I like the ones on Twitter rather than the ones booking this show. Just, yeah, awful, awful this. Um, we'll get to the bachelor party later on because we've got to talk about Santos Escobar versus Carmelo Hayes. I quite like the story they told here. It was... Escobar, you know, the more experienced pro, he was in control. He worked over Hayes for large points this match. Uh, he even did at one point did a, a crab on the steel steps, which looked nice. Uh, eventually, though, Carmelo Hayes makes his comeback. Springboard guillotine leg drop, springboard clothesline cutter, gets a near fall, goes for another springboard, but Escobar gets his gets up and hits him with a brilliant knee strike in midair. It looks like Escobar's in control. Then Hayes fights back and hits a code breaker. He DDTs Escobar on the apron. But Legado del Fantasma, the sneaky bastards that they are, they cause a distraction. Uh, Raul Mendoza and Joaquin Wilde take the referee along with Escobar. And that allows uh, es uh, Lopez to body slam Carmelo Hayes on the floor. He gets shoved back in the ring. Escobar hits his phantom driver. One, two, three, Michael Hamflet. Yeah, um, the match was fine. It sort of mirrors the takes from the opener. It's such a, like, it's a WWE problem, but atmosphere and everything else, and what it, how it extends to NXT, like, there's such a robotic quality to even the good matches. We've been over this a million times, and it affects, like, even the more interesting wrestlers. Didn't get that much out of Carmelo Hayes in the breakout tournament, but got it here. Maybe that's what he was breaking out of, being fun. And now he's entered like the WDP robotic formula. Um, really liked though, really, really liked the finish. That was a beat for beat a replay of um, what China did mm -hmm. to Bart Gunn. Um, if you've never heard of China, for goodness sake, don't Google her because um, you don't know what you might find on there. But she was the woman that got Triple H over. He owes his entire career to her. Um, she did that to Bart Gunn as this way to just shock the world that like wrestling is still so 
deeply misogynist that like a woman does that to a man whoa 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 and then he rolls <laughs> back in and he's good as but still super effective you know it is like still it wrestling is such a set in its ways that it's still a really cool visual this was like my kind of first proper look at electra lopez and she's left something that you're going to remember her by mm. and like phantasma feel instantly it's it is that china effect phantasma feel instantly more interesting as a result of the threat that she offers so like genuinely really like that finish and made an otherwise completely forgettable good wrestling match a little bit more interesting yeah and the, the fact that it doesn't feel like she's she has but it doesn't feel like she's just been hoid in there because it's like well they've got a b-fab so we need a woman it does sort of mm. fit the dynamic very well they've gone looking not just for a neutralizer as you say but somebody that can actively enhance their act and they realize that there's better people out there than like lame blokes when there's an electra lopez out there like genuinely good development, I thought that. Yeah, Electra Lopez is the best, most standout thing in a match that just did nothing to stand out. I will get asked in three weeks' time. In fact, no one cares enough about NXT no. to ask me this, but I theoretically <laughs> get asked in three weeks' time what were some of the spots and the storytelling in that match with um, Escobar and Hayes? And I'll think, oh, did they have a match on NXT three weeks ago? That would be my response. Literally, Every NXT match you've ever seen on television was this. Mm. Not none of the work stood out. Like even like the apron DDT, like what a cannibalized spot. Look at all out. MGF selling of an apron power bomb was unreal, sensational. It informed literally everything he did. Here it was squandered. Here it barely looked like that wincing. Oh Christ! Mm. I wouldn't take that if I were you, sort of thing. Just it was, a, it was a weak looking apron DDT. It was another cliche in a match full of cliches. It's they've taken the old exhilaration of 50 50 back and forth independent wrestling in which no one wants to be a job guy on TV. So their match lengths have all ballooned over the last however many years. And they've just WWE has just written their own playbook to accommodate it, just like they used to do the punch kick keep cut off. They've got their own version of what indie wrestling was and they do it in their own way and it's so boring. I'm not saying either of these guys didn't like work hard or either of them don't have anything. The opposite of that is mm. true, but the, the gears are so oppressive to how these things become so drab. It's just every match I've ever seen, I'm so bored of this product, man. Yeah, I, I like I like the, the the story of you know experience in Santa Escobar outfoxing this you know rookie in Carmelo Hayes. But like you say, in a few weeks I'll have completely forgotten this. And and apart from maybe like say Electra Lopez who, who really stood out, and I just like the fact that they did something like that to properly establish her rather than just have a twatting B-fab with a bat or whatever it was a few weeks ago. Uh, anyway, we continue. We're backstage. We see Casey Cantzaro and Caden Carter doing unorthodox warm-ups, let's say, ahead of their uh, tag title match. Uh, and William Regal announces we're getting a fatal four-way next week. It's Cool Gallo Rally versus Tommy Chomper versus Pete Dunne versus L.A. Knight. And the winner of that will face Samoa Joe. We'll get promos from them a little bit later on. But I'm moving rapidly on, Michael Sidgwick. Because I know this show's boring. I know, because I know you want to talk about the Creed brothers, Julius and Brutus from the Diamond Mine. We had a, a segment earlier on uh, putting them over and reminding everyone just their incredible athletic achievements and the fact that one of them hasn't got a neck. Uh, and they were fighting some local competitors uh, and they wrecked him, basically, in the words I often use this, of, of Adam Nicholas, chucked him around like an empty tracksuit. Uh, they came out, plain singlets, wrestling shoes, and I thought, oh, it's going to be the Bashman brothers all over again, this. It certainly wasn't that. At one point, one of the guys, their facing gets sent to the outside and then suplex back into the ring. Uh, and their way of tacking was, again, unorthodox, slapping each other in the face. Uh, he comes in, uh, I think it was Julius, this one, batters uh, the other guy, the one who didn't get suplexed into the ring. And then they pick both of them up, slam them into each other. And then as one of them is starting to sit up, he gets hit with a sort of basement clothesline, a, a hugely impressive, like two minutes squash this. Uh, you and Andy and Hamlet have been buzzing about this this morning. I thought, I thought this was fantastic, man. My face was melting throughout this. It was so unbelievably good. This is proper, legitimate, late 80s squash energy. And it didn't remotely feel like they'd studied a book. 
I studied tape, yeah, and thought, right, okay, the Steiners were great at this, the Road Warriors were great at this, Sid was great at this. This genuinely felt like an organic, like, kicking, basically. Mm. I tweeted this, and the mega fans don't even have to forgive me because it was a tweet about NXT, so it gets no engagement. They looked like two total arseholes with, like, Beverly Brothers energy, no regard for their opponent's safety whatsoever because they enjoy being awful bullies. Of course, the difference, uh, the business is vastly different to what it used to be. There is no room for those kinds of personalities in pro wrestling anymore. That kind of thing simply isn't permitted. And maybe it's for the best. It's kind of for the worst, but you know, that's, <laughs> that's a quiet part. You're not allowed to say out loud. All of which is to state that what a fantastic work and performance this was. It felt like a kind of a. Oh, two total bastards here. You're not, you're not allowed to rate this. The, the Beverly Heights, uh, the Shaker Heights spike wasn't very good, was it? I mean, it was that <laughs> tits, but you're not allowed to say that out loud. Energy, attitude, disposition, like the timing of everything was like a cruel kind of, oh my God, that person's in deep, deep shit. Yeah. <laughs> They're in trouble. <laughs> like, one, like the amateur informed background is a really lovely Steiner Brothers-esque deal. I always am a massive mark for that in my pro wrestling. But they did one ridiculously convoluted and, oh my God, he's going to get dropped on his head style mm. throw. And the second they even began the motion back up, no, get back down with a lariat to the face. Awesome. This tag team is awesome. And I want them to do a takeover with MSK immediately. Yeah. I, that, that MSK match, I like straight away jump to that as well. I don't care about the typical trajectory. What I saw here, I'll take it right now. Yeah, um, obviously, like, Beverly's, Steiner's, Varsity Club comparisons, they're just all there, and they're all brilliant for all those various reasons that Cedric like, articulated there. Just fantastic, so thrilling. Um, they looked angry that the local competitors were daring to breathe, and that energy is really hard to summon in modern pro wrestling because that used to exist back in the day when and it's kind of like what Cedric says it's like you're not really allowed to say it was good when Dynamite Kid is separating Mick Foley's jaw from his head and like when like Rick and Scotty are just pissed off at work and are like should we do a top rope bulldog and not tell them about it yeah like we can, physically <laughs> do it we can physically do it ourselves without their cooperation so why not like you can't do that now because you shouldn't right that's angry men doing angry. it's it's not on capital O but it's really hard to like make it look like that's what's happening when everyone's in control and people are nicer now and like local competitors are not there to pay to be. I'm even talking about like Jeff Hardy and Scott Hall. You know, Jeff Hardy is this 14-year-old, 15-year-old kid that has lied about his age and is willing to go to work to get kicked out of him by giants, you know, and the giants are really pleased because they're going to look great, but they are going to batter them for real. Like you can't do that now and you shouldn't be able to do that now. And I'm not an advocate for it, but I'm an advocate for people that can make it look that way. You think as well of Lance Archer and Marco Stunt as another example. Present the worked version of that and you've got a perfect feeling squash and you absolutely had that here. Sublime this. Absolutely sublime. I welcome Like, I hope that, like, these are the first guys like Vince and Bruce get to see. Because I am maybe it's not all bad. Because <laughs> like, like, these are ready. These are good to go. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be 
big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful too for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash whatculture. We go backstage after that, and this is the Ember Moon post-match interview talking about how she's going to have to change something because things really aren't going away. Is this, like you said, Hamlet, is this the start of a potential heel turn for her, perhaps? Probably, um, and it's a welcome development. She's incredibly cheesy as a babyface promo. It's hard to buy any of her act, and it's okay in kayfabe to acknowledge when things aren't working. You know, that's that's if this was a real job, that's how you would have a bit of introspection and take it forward. So I kind of welcome any changes to this character. Uh, a heel is just like heel turn is just part of that. Yeah, give her a mouthpiece. Like give her a mouthpiece. Because... Put her in the diamond mine. Yeah, absolutely. Give Put her a mouthpiece. She's not that great a promo. I worry about her acting because she seems like a really nice person. And that's almost too evident when she's cutting a baby face promo. So I worry about her reaching for something that just isn't there whether it's like a dog place in the head or any kind of uh, verbal charisma. So give her a mouthpiece <laughs> because her role as the person you beat in a three and a quarter star match to ascend up the ladder is pretty well worn at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a promo from Hit Row. They said that we should have seen it coming uh, when Legado del Fantasma jumped them. It's time to drop them like a $10 piñata and B-Fab in particular targeted Electra Lopez. Really excited about more of this feud, to be honest. Yeah, that version in particular. Yeah. Um, then we got the NXT tag titles, uh, women's tag titles match, Io Shirai and Zoe Stock. Can they coexist? Uh, versus Casey Catanzaro and Caden Carter. And initially, no, no, they can't. Io Shirai does not like Zoe Stock. She dislikes Catanzaro and Carter more. So that's to their advantage. But basically, the story is Io Shirai wants and probably can wants to win this match uh, on her own. Uh, eventually, though, the numbers game catches up to her, of course. They do a blind tag that allows uh, them to get in and, and, and work over Io Shirai. Stark finally gets in, gets the self-tag back in. She's in earlier on in the match, but Io Shirai does not care to tag her later on. And uh, miscommunication between the tag champs. She whips Carter into the corner, uh, knocks Io Shirai down, and then as she goes to, to tackle her in the corner, um, we have Carter moving and Shirai getting knocked off the apron. That allows them to take advantage, the uh, the Katanzaro and Carter team, and get a near fall off the back of it. And uh, they actually, uh, well, the move is they do the double team splash thing that they do, and Shirai just makes the save with a missile drop kick uh, to, to save the tag titles for them. Uh, Stark recovers. She hits that modified GTS of hers. In comes Shirai, that moonsault of hers. She covers Catanzaro, one, two, three. They retain the tag titles, but post-match, as Catanzaro and Carter walk up the ramp and uh, Shirai and Stark celebrating the ring with their titles, out comes uh, Mandy Rose, Gigi Dolene, and JC Jane to attack and beat down Carter and Catanzaro. And uh, Rose's, Mandy Rose has got Seamus' mask, basically, uh, off the back of what happened last week with Soray, I believe, drop-kicking her in the face. Uh, tag titles on the line, miscommunications, odd couples, more of the same sort of thing here, Hamlet. Yeah, like NXT bingo stuff, in it? Like, broadly well-worked. Not a lot to be critical of. Um, the, the more developmental of the wrestlers involved showed why they're still not on Shirai's level, I guess. You know, she was in there with three ostensible rookies. I think, like, I think Stark's got a lot I've thought this pretty much since she's been there. I think like the raw materials are there with Zoe Stark to be like one of WWE's better female wrestlers. This remains not the angle for her to be in. That's that's still the case, unfortunately. Uh, in match miscommunication, 
this probably should go without saying, is better than sushi restaurant misunderstanding. It is. Like, that's a better way to tell the story they're trying to tell. But I still think it's an awkward story. Um, is Have we already reached the point where Io Shirai is less a cool baby face and kind of an arsehole yeah. for how she's treating Zoe Stark? Because it feels like that to me. And so that's a difficult dynamic to wrap your head around when she's clearly head and shoulders the most important wrestler in the tag team. Stark does need her ability. And yet, there's almost like a gaslighting vibe between the two of them as a result. <laughs> um, Carter and Catanzaro offered what they continue to offer as the jobber to the stars of this division. Development was fine. I get, you know, attack. it's an attack on the ramp, isn't it? Like, but they've, they've built to it. Like, Carter and um, Catanzaro are into TikTok, which overlaps with, like, kind of Mandy Rose's character a little bit. So it's not without, like, the tiniest sliver of storyline ramifications, but, I, like, I can't go mega high on any of this, and I still don't think I like the Eoshirai Zoe Stark dynamic. They did beat them the other week, didn't they? I think as well. You might have not seen I that. I can't remember. I, I feel like that's when they <laughs> did the whole, if you never want to feel like that again, come with me. But anyway, your thoughts on the match, Sage? Oh, I mean, I'm, ah, I could go my entire life, life without ever watching another Catanzaro, Caden Carter 10-minute special. Like, what a stagnant act. What are they doing in that performance centre? Like, what? What are they teaching them? I do, I, it's just the same old stuff. Code breakers, the odd bit of flip, like moves with the Z. I'm sick of. I don't think anyone's ever said anything different anywhere ever about a Cat and Zaro Caden Carter match on NXT television. There's nothing else to say. It's the same old stuff. This was differentiated slightly because around the usual spots that they always do every time they're in the ring, they told the story of Stark and Shirai. And I'm with Hamlet, like, where does this go? If Stark turns on Shirai at this point, I'm thinking, yes, she deserves <laughs> an arsehole. Yeah. We obviously try really hard. Like, if you hate it that much, just dog the match and take the fall or take a count out or whatever. If her friendship, if she is annoying you with her friendships, take a count out and break up. If there's going to be some kind of slow, warm, eh, I think we're going to get along just... They've got no chemistry together. Stark isn't this person, she looks so uncomfortable doing this material where she's trying to act and be peppy and naive and a little bit likeable. She should just be a killer. She looks like a killer in the ring. The presenter is a killer. Woefully miscast. No, I don't like anyone involved. I'm made to like the people. I'm made to dislike the people that I do. Let's put this in the bin. Get Vince McMahon to do the arm strut. Look at everything and go, like, Palace is in the bin and Triple H should go. You know what? once in your stupid senile old age. Yeah, you're right. On the preview yesterday, you mentioned NXT as Poppy Raw. Uh, That's I a think voice of wrestling thing. I just need a voice, sorry, a voice, a voice. Yeah, voice of wrestling thing. Um, I think like this is red NXT because Mansoor and Mustafar Ali are doing a better job of this, a way better job of this, like of telling the yeah. story than Shireen Stark. A way better job. Yes. Uh, this is when we got the Kyle O'Reilly promo. Uh, he talked about the recent roller coaster he's been on, but says he doesn't care anymore. He's gunning for the NXT title. He's going to win the Fatal Four Way match next week, effectively. And then we went on Dexter Lewis's bachelor party, which is a whole lot more fun than the bachelorette party. Well, it had Cameron Grimes in it, so I'm biased. Yeah. Uh, so Dexter and uh, Gargano, they're riding in a limo. Gargano's furious. He's not paying a sodding penny for all this. Or doesn't even want the weddings to still go ahead, of course. Uh, when who would jump into the limo? But one and only Ikaragrad, baby. He's gonna take the stag do to the moon. Also in the limo are uh, Odyssey Jones and Drake Maverick, and the dynamic there is Odyssey Jones is very excited and doesn't really know his own strength and keeps accidentally hurting Drake Maverick. And the zombie referee from the zombie thing. Um I think that's a good gag. I see Cedric rolling his eyes. I thought that was quite a nice gag. Like a good choice, I thought. Grimes gives everyone money to try and smooth things over. That's what he's learned from a million dollar man, basically. All <laughs> truce with Loomis. They uh, they they shake hands, they hug. Gargano can't believe what he's seeing. Uh, and they went first, go-karting. I love the fact that, he, that w- the women had a drink, maybe, a meal, it's like we don't go go karting, we'll go axe throwing, we'll go laser quest, all that. I'll oh, we'll just meet for a drink. 
drink and a meal, maybe, if you're lucky. Anyway, uh, so they go, go, Ch- Church, motorhead gigs, more church. Where are the rivers? <laughs> Grimes puts up 30 grand for whoever wins the go-kart race. Andy Hartwell and Candice Ray hiding in a car, spying on them. Do they and- not want to give the devil a heart attack? Is that why we saw no rippers? Yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> I'm taking your medicine today, Granddad. So, um, Gargano wins the go-karting race uh, because Stacey Loomis tries to, well, tries to kill the zombie referee running him off the track, basically. Uh, next, they go to axe throwing. Has anyone got any experience with axes? Well, serial killer's got experience with them. That's the joke. Um, they all throw axes. Obviously, Loomis is mint at it and Gargano's crap at it. And then all of a sudden he, he comes up behind, uh, he comes up behind Johnny Gargano and uh, ghost-esque puts his arm in the right position, lines it all up, and then Gargano nails it right in the center of where they're throwing the axes. Uh, oh, I forgot they went to a bounce zone or somewhere. Who knows what it's called? What is, is there an official name for that? You <laughs> I've, have got, I've got the idea. Anyway, they were there, loads of trampolines basically. And uh, we've, uh, we've got one, we've got one up here called uh, I think it's called Jump 365 which is what I would advise everybody in NXT to do to AEW. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Cameron Grimes has a, a 10 grand bet that Odyssey Jones can't bounce Drake Maverick to the moon. And unsurprisingly, he can. And he bounces and he flips and it's all hilarious. Uh, and then they go to laser tag and uh, it's team... Red versus Team Dex, or Team Johnny, if you're Johnny Gargano. Um, And, yeah, basically, Dex Lewis murders the opposing team. He punches one of them out, and Johnny Gargano shoots him. He chokes someone else out, and Johnny Gargano shoots that guy. He uses some chloroform at one point, shoots him. Uh, In the end, um, there's one guy left. Uh, Johnny Gargano asks if he gives up. He, He does. Gargano goes to shake his hand, fake out, shoots him in the chest as well. They've won. They all celebrate. They shoot their laser guns in the air. And Gargano goes around. He's high-fiving everyone, and he gets to Dexter Loomis. And he just, he just can't bring himself to do it. And then the zombie reverie speaks up and goes, hey, what's all this about? He's not that bad. And they go, what? You're Canadian? I thought you was dead. <laughs> and uh, uh, Odyssey Jones... Pat's Gargano on the back, and that sort of pushes him in to high-fiving uh, Dexter Loomis. There's a, a wonderful montage of them bonding throughout the day, and now they've become friends. Uh, in, in come Indy Hartwell and Candice LeRae. Oh, no, we haven't been spying or anything like that. And she says, yeah, you crush his nuts. Talking about cat and battles. And uh, Johnny Gargano <laughs> says, let's have a wedding. Oh, this made me, my heart grow three sizes, Hamford. Yeah, fitting, this is Triple H's last NXT, because this was a four out of 10. But at university, 40% is a pass. So, like, that's about as nice as I can be on this one. I think this was just, just good enough. Um, did like the zombie referee bit. Gargano has been the hardest working man in NXT for ages now. And I'm not talking about the, the takeover matches when they're actually classics. I'm talking about the material. He's had to drag over the line, um, which he did here for me, genuinely. Um, thought the trampoline bit was a good choice. I thought some of the elements of the laser tag were funny. Uh, aye. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. Very little had me laughing out loud, but lots of those little huh, bits, you know, <laughs> quite a few of them. And, I, and I'll give them that. And they got out of there without damaging anyone too much. Here's the thing for me, is that I hate the idea of, oh, there's been a, you know, they've turned on Virgin Lorcan. Interesting direction. No, it's just a direction. And if you don't get a pass for booking a really criminally dull main event program because you've booked one, it's the, the top bare minimum here. So I'm going to go the other side of Sigil never get pleased by NXT at all. Because they threaded quite a few disparate beats together here. Gargano doesn't like Loomis, refuses to pay for any of these activities. They've got a minted guy in Cameron Grimes who's willing to finance it at all. They decide not to do the rippers or the boozing, but they decide to do the games and the bonding part Mm. of the bachelor party, all with the idea of the callback to the high fives, which Johnny Gargano likes to do. They applied, a, didn't they do well? 
I did the triking well. <laughs> I liked the bit where like he got the he got the completely black faced thumbs up from Dex Lewis, and then the little smile at the end. He's got something about him. Like here's the thing, like they applied a lot of thought to this, and they were able to tie a lot of these disparate elements of characters and callbacks together because they did a lot of work in the background with these characters. I can imagine if you were a long-time fan of NXT, it was warmed wholeheartedly to this wacky direction. You've got a lot of fan service here. It was so lame. It wasn't remotely amusing. <laughs> Everyone's a geek. And it's like, it would be bad faith and a bad analogy for me to say, well, the reason why AEW rules in this show is so bad is because they've got Miro and an Eddie Kingston and a Moxley and all the rest of it. Miro and Eddie Kingston and John Moxley, they can pull together the two things that NXT, the opposite magnets of NXT, that, funnily enough, prove repellent. You've got the wackiness of this bollocks, which, you know, the likes of Best Friends could theoretically do one time and pretty much did. And then you've got... Dirty bitches out for justice. They cannot just have badasses with a witty streak, like Miro, Kingston, Moxley. They cannot just have the most drab, hard guys and the most idiotic geeks. What's all over the place? And I hate NXT. Well, the 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 AW comparison, sorry, is these guys here were effectively like the wingmen, but Ryan Nemeth wasn't in like the last pay per view main event against Kenny Omega. (laughs) Which John yeah. Gargano was against Karrion Cross or Cameron Grimes in this like brutal ladder match a couple of months back. Like these are all characters that theoretically at any given moment might need to be slotted back into the top of the card. Whereas like the AW comparison, they never get off dark or dark elevation if we need to get jobbed out on dynamite. That like the levels like of what's expected of these characters are so, so different. Uh, Robert Stone runs in to see Frankie Monet and Jesse Camilla, once again proving the uh, the benefits of the Robert Stone brand. He's managed to book Frankie Monet in a world title match. She will challenge uh, Raquel Gonzalez for the NXT Women's Championship next week. And then, gentlemen, then we got the in-ring debut of the thousand-year-old dragon lady, and they were going to sacrifice a virgin to her, Virginia Ferry, the woman she was facing. That is second move was a headlock as well. Really, I knew it, man. Really like that. Yeah. Chop to the chop to the throw, headlock. It was a you know massive squash here. You know, Ferry jaw jacks uh, uh, Mei Ying, but she uh, flails about a bit. So you can see all the hair that she hasn't washed for a thousand years or whatever, and a flappy jacket. Uh, kicks her, chops to the throat, stomps on her and uh, puts a death grip on her to destroy her in a minute or so, basically. You called it, Sid. <laughs> what was yours? Yes, yeah, this, somehow, this somehow made this boring. How? You're the in-ring debut of a thousand-year-old woman who was trained by a dragon and they didn't even make it so bad it's good. This is just boring. Like, Cthulhu would look... Cthulhu boring in NXT. <laughs> like, who can take this seriously? The poor Karen Kewinner cannot project. Of course you can't project this gimmick. <laughs> the mortal. She is immortal as opposed to immortal. This is absolutely hokey rubbish. What an absolute waste of time. Didn't get a reaction at all, which is such an indictment because they've tried to build this as an mm. anticipation thing forever. Wacky, rubbish, boring, cut bait immediately on this. I like me and grab that hold. And all I thought was, remember those like months of vignettes where you've got um, Boa or Zaylee taking these brutal beatings. And there was, you know, you couldn't hear anybody saying anything. You could just, it was all what you could see and what you could maybe imagine what was going on. If there was any dialogue or any subtitles on the screen at the time, it clearly would have just said, move your left foot. Cause that was the only training going on by the thousand year old dragon ghost. That was all she had. Christ, I, what a, like, what a low key disaster. And it's only low key because everything on NXT is low key. Like it's impossible for anything to be high key on the show, but a low key disaster. Uh, got promos um, from uh, LA Knight. He's on a drive and whatever tomorrow brings, he'll be there. 
He's going to be one of the three people challenge, uh, four people, sorry, in the fatal four-way uh, next week, the winner of which will face Samoa Joe. There's three challenges, he said, and one superstar. He's going to take all three in that. He's going to face Samoa Joe. And Tommy Chomper was on next, uh, talking about getting revenge for Toothless Timmy, of course, last week. And now he's after Goldie. I love the way he ends promos by just hoying his chair into the wall. I like that as a touch, Hamflirt. Uh, I do. Um, because it's closely linked to his act with uh, Thatcher, which I like, instead of his act with Goldie, which I long went off. Um, yesterday on the preview, I joked that they're gonna. I joked yesterday that they're gonna take a look at LA Knight's physique and like listen to him doing his rock promos and be like, he's our guy. I think he's my guy too. Like I thought he came across as far and away the best candidate of all of these complete dweebs for the Samoa Joe match. He's the one guy that is projecting an aura of somebody that. I want to see compete for a title. Like I want to see, like maybe it's just because he feels different to all the rest because he's not been there a billion times already. Um, I'm not interested in this as a booking device to find Samojo's next opponent, but I hope it's night. Far and away the best of the bunch for me out of all of these. Kyle O'Reilly's stunk. It is. What? He just needs to go to AEW as well. Can they all just go? Is that the third show? And then it's called What Culture AEW. Right, main event time. MSK can go as well. Tag titles <laughs> uh, being defended by MSK against Birch and Lorcan. Um, the start of the match, Danny Birch kicks it all off. Very aggressive in amongst all this. They uh, take control. Eventually, they get to a hot tag from Wesley, which is always the highlight of the match. He runs wild. They hit that flippy push moonsault thing that they do. Uh, then uh, Carter goes for a swanton, but Lorcan gets his knees up. He uh, chop blocks Carter, puts him in an ankle lock. Lee tries to make the save, but Birch gets him in a cross face. It looks like they're both going to submit, but they manage to fight out of it. And in the end, uh, MSK are victorious. They hit that heart attack blockbuster combo of theirs to get the victory, retain the tag titles. They go stand at the top of ramp. They celebrate. I thought, great, here comes the grizzled young veterans to set that up. No, it's a betrayal. They turn on uh, Birch and Lorcan, uh, and Rich Bloody Holland. Uh, they turn on them. They beat them down, lay them out. They go to leave, and one of the two lads is still alive, basically. So they uh, come back in, more headbutts, more destruction. And Pete Dunne and Ridge Holland smirk and, and cockily walk off as the show ends. And I think they thought this was probably going to be more impactful than it actually felt, Sige. Who cares? Who, ca who cares about the storyline? Yeah. Can anyone possibly care about this? The only thing it has going for it is that when only Lorcan works babyface or works babyface, I don't even know if he's got it anymore. Fabulous. Yeah. He's not the kind of guy you fantasy book for, though. He's not the kind of guy that you think, oh, he's really interesting. I really want to hear what he's got to say or whatever. This is the most triple H thing that ever triple H. It was his last, it was his last, last moment. He could just could do what he wants. This was, I've been using the Kevin Keegan concede quite often. I'm still fighting for this NXT. This is the <laughs> moment when he realizes, oh God, it still hurts to talk about. This is the re the, the moment where he realizes it's all gone and he just collapses over the advertising <laughs> and it's over. And that's Triple H going, oh God, Danny Birch in the main event. <laughs> oh, what am I doing? It was his like last meal before NXT, as you know, is executed. Yeah, Virgin Lorcan in the main event. What would you have, Triple H? You could have anything you want, and you've in fact squandered the opportunity to have anything you want. Oh, played it, Danny Birch. <laughs> Look at my. <laughs> the match is pretty good. Yeah, the match was pretty, pretty good. good. The last two minutes of the match were very, very good. The CWC sucks. Mm -hmm. MSK have always been the act that have been the splash of colour, haven't they? Always in this like dank and dour black building. So it was nice for them to uh, have a match against another two wrestlers. What's really cool about MSK is that I don't know if this has been by design. You know, when we talked about like, like AEW quite nicely lined up all these opponents for Britt Baker and it's not worked in hindsight but like the idea was good it feels like every time MSK defend their titles like it turns out the challengers are the grizzliest angriest men there is there's just like every single opponent's there and even I would say flashier teams might look 
tougher and harder and grislier in contrast to MSK. And you just get this really great formula, this like fine new way to tweak. And I, it's, it's the same thing. Like, I don't know if I'll remember this in a way that I would say the um, Dusty Cup matches or the like the takeover match that MSK have. It wasn't on that level, but it was still very good. Mm. Um, the, ter- the turn, however, and yeah, the big angle can't really add much more to what Sidgwick said. The hottest member of this stable, the big reason for this stable's being has been the commentator on SmackDown for six months and hasn't appeared on NXT. Like That was what made the Kings of NXT interesting, not the descent between the four bruising individuals. Rich Holland's still big, not against it, you know? I'm not, I'm not against him getting like being one of the big pushed guys. Let's find out how much Wardlow is there within that tank of a man once uh, Vince and Bruce get the reins, but uh, not really feeling the rest of this. Hope um, all those conversations about Pete Dunne that were going on a few weeks ago proved true because he's another guy that's a far better fit somewhere else, in my opinion. Yeah, it's ironic that the big final angle on the final old NXT finishes with, you know, Pete Dunne and, and, and Ridge Holland standing tall. And I think all of us feel like the Pete Dunne shrug about it, all if we're yeah. going to be honest. But let us know your thoughts on NXT and its future on Twitter uh, at WhatCultureWWE, of course. Watch there. You can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. Follow Michael Sidgwick at M Sidgwick. You can follow me at Adam Wilborn. As I said, follow us all at What Culture WWE. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, including later on today a preview of AEW Dynamite and maybe just maybe some thoughts on AEW all out from these two. But for now, this has been the NXT review. My thanks to the Dadley Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.